You're listening to Connection Church's podcast. One of the things I was thinking about as we were singing that song is so many times um, as a pastor of the church, I, I listen a lot to what people say. And I listen to kind of things we're speaking. And um, the Bible says that it's from the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. And so I listen and I, and I kind of hear where people are in different things. I hear what's going on in people's lives in different ways. And, and the thing I've been hearing a lot this week and even feeling myself and, and Bethany shared a little bit about it is that a lot of people are going through a lot of stuff, right? A lot of people are in a situation where um, we really need God to intervene in our lives. We really need to know that he's with us, um, that he's for us, that he's not against us. And and I was thinking about that. I was thinking about just the things that we've been going through. And, I, and honestly, I believe that, that this church, I believe that we're going in, in a great direction. I believe that the greatest days are ahead. There are some really awesome days and what God's going to do. But in that, there's also opposition. And there's also things that Satan tries to bring against us. And there's things that he does to try to distract. And I guess if there was one word that I would say I've heard a lot lately, it's just distraction. That the, the ball season's kicking up, spring's coming, the weather's getting warm. There's a lot of things to distract us and pull us away from God. I've heard a lot about sickness. My own children have been sick, and anytime your children are sick, it's trying. Um, I've had my own bout with this cold, sinus junk going around. And this is what I feel. I feel like Satan is trying to distract us because there's so many good things ahead. There's so many great things that God is going to do. There's so many more people that he's going to say. There's so many more people that they're going to be taking their next steps that Satan will do anything to try to stop that. And this is the thing that, that encourages me so much as we sing this song, Cornerstone. I realize that God has planted our feet on a, a foundation, on a rock from which we cannot be moved. I realize that God has put us in this relationship with Jesus that is able to calm our soul, that's able to calm our spirit, that's able to speak peace in the midst of the storm. And this is my encouragement to you. Whatever you're walking through, whatever you're going through, plant your feet firmly on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. Realize that the one you're standing upon is also holding you and he's not going to let you go. Take great courage as a child of God. If you are in Christ, one is holding you that cannot be shaken, that will not let you go. He didn't promise that we wouldn't go through the fire, but he did promise he would get us to the other side. And I encourage you with that this morning. Don't let this just be another day. Take hold of the Lord as he takes hold of you. And be encouraged by the power that's in him, knowing that whatever I'm walking through, he's going to walk with me hand in hand. And when I come out on the other side, I'm going to seem more faithful. I'm going to be more mature. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When they went through the fire, they got thrown into the fiery furnace. The Bible says that when they came out, the only thing that was burned off of them were the ropes that held their hands. What that tells me is that God, even through trials, does a good work in our lives. That he can even use those trials and those fires and those flames to set us free. So today I want to encourage you with that. And I want to pray for us right now. I just want to pray that God would meet us where we are today. That we would experience his love and his grace in a fresh way. And we would put our eyes on him. And he would awaken our hearts to the reality of his love. God, we thank you for your love and your grace, your power, your mercy, who you are, Jesus. We thank you for loving us. We thank you that you planted our feet on a foundation that cannot be shaken. 
We thank you, God, for your grace. Um, God, that is so undeserved. Let us be grateful for your grace, Lord. Let us experience you today and experience that grace again. Wretched sinners deserving of death and wrath and yet saved by the grace of God. God, I pray that that never gets old. I pray that that will always inspire us to move towards you. I pray that your spirit would empower us to walk through the fire, to be a testimony to you, even in the flame, God, that we would go and we would move and we would keep our eyes firmly fixed on you, that we would do what your word says. So we would be like the man who dug deep down into the ground and found the rock and planted his life on that rock. And when the winds and the rains came, he could not be moved. The house stood, it did not fall. God established our houses, established this house on that rock. We could be a testimony, a shining light to a community and a world that God is alive and that he still saves and he still does miracles in the hearts of people. Lord, we love you and we praise you for this day. We praise you for your grace. We praise you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, how's it going? Everybody good? Hadn't seen you in a couple of weeks. Kind of weird Not when I'm up here. I kind of feel really useless when I don't preach. So if I'm not preaching, you need to probably send me an email or something and say, hey, be encouraged. This won't last forever. You'll be useful one day again. Because it is really, really hard when I come to church and I just kind of like. But it's good. I come back refreshed. I come back ready to go. Um, I want to thank Billy Shiver, man. What an awesome job he did the last two weeks. Um, and I can tell you, he did such a great, yeah, you need a clap. He did such an awesome job. And the thing I can tell you about Billy, and I love him so much. And in so many ways, he's like a brother. I, I see him as a brother that I walk beside. But in so many ways, I think of him almost as a, as a son. Um, and, and to see him growing up in the Lord is so awesome to see um, how he's growing and what God's doing in him and through him is so cool. And um, I can tell you this, as good as he preaches, as, as awesome as he is to teach and disciple, the thing that I can tell you that, that is greater about Billy than any of that stuff is his heart for the Lord. And, uh, and it's authentic and it's true. And he and Kate um, are such a huge blessing to me and my family and to this church. And, and just so thankful for them and, and the way they keep their eyes on Christ. And um, even the way Kate won't let Billy eat his cereal in the morning until he reads his Bible. So um, true story, true story. And uh, she's, she's a slave driver, I'm telling you. Um, but we all, we, we guys, we need a slave driver, right? We need somebody to keep us in, in line. <laughs> Crack the whip, Kate. at a girl. And so today we're going to finish up the walk series. Uh, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter five. We're going to be in verses one through 21. I'm excited about this. Um, I want to read a couple of verses to you and then I just want to jump in and, and, and I want to pray for us because I, I just believe, listen, this has been on my heart and Matt talks about this all the time. Don't let this be another day, right? Don't let this just be another Sunday where we walk out of here and we continue to walk in the same direction we've been walking when there's parts of that, that, that pace, there's parts of that direction that need to change. When God convicts us today, let us turn our eyes and, and, and fix them where he wants them to be fixed. Okay? Let's not walk out of this series, out of this building, and just continue to do things um, the way they've always been, just because that's comfortable, even, even if God's leading us to do something different. So I want to encourage you today. Let's, 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 let's be awake. Let's realize what Jesus did for us, right, on the cross. And let's receive what he has for us today. Let's open our hearts and hear him. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, be imitators of God, as beloved children, 
So therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Let's stop right there and let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day, your word that is living and active. I pray, God, that it would sink into our hearts, that it would change our lives. Lord, that you would do a work in us. We cannot do, God. Our hearts are messed up and we need you. Spirit, move in us. God, those areas of our heart that that are dark, I pray you'll bring light. Those areas of of our heart that harbor hate or bitterness or unforgiveness, I pray you'd bring love. God, those areas of our heart that are just walking in foolishness and making stupid decisions, I pray, God, that you would bring wisdom. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would take all of that and mix it all together in our spirit. And God, teach us to walk a new way. God, do what only you can do in this place right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, the other the other night I was watching TV. I do watch TV, so I don't just read my Bible like 24 I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not quite that spiritual yet. God's still working on me. But I was watching TV, and there was a Steve Harvey show that came on. And I don't know if you know Steve Harvey, but Steve Harvey can be a little rough sometimes. But this, this, this actual co- comedy show, he was talking about... Um, uh, how God has been working in his life. It was actually done at a church. And so his whole goal was that during that comedy routine, that he would not cuss during the whole comedy routine. That was like the goal, you know, of the whole show. And he actually did it. And he said, I've not stood on this, a stage in 20 years and not said a cuss word um, throughout the whole thing. And uh, so I'm watching, he's talking to church people, right? He's talking to all these church people. And the title of this whole um, comedy show was Don't Trip, He Ain't Done With Me Yet. Okay. And I started thinking about that and I started thinking, you know, that's really true of my life. And he would go through and he would, he would pick at the church people and some of our idiosyncrasies and the things that we do because we are kind of weird. Right. And, uh, and he would pick at those kinds of things, but he kept saying throughout this whole thing, he ain't done with me yet. And I'm very thankful for that. I don't know if, if, if you're in that same boat, maybe you're perfect. Um, come talk to me afterwards if you think you are because you're not, but, but here's the reality. Like I'm not perfect yet. God hasn't done all that he needs to do in my life yet. I'm still pressing towards the goal. I haven't arrived and neither have you. And here's the good news about that. God knows where we are. He understands where we are. He's walked in our shoes. He's felt the temptation that we've been in. And God says, that's okay. I'm going to take you and I'll bring you to where I want you to be. And I think about that a lot with my children. I think about that because, because I'm not a perfect father. I don't do everything just right. Some days I feel like, man, the Lord is using me in the life of my kids. And then sometimes I think they'd be better off if I weren't here, right? Like yesterday, we're at a ball game and, and a little boy that actually comes to our church, eight and under baseball tournament, right? Jackson, my, my middle son's playing. Um, this little boy is at the plate. He hits a home run, eight years old, over the fence. The fence, it was a little shorter, but he hits the ball over the fence, eight years old. And I'm like, that is incredible. And so he's running around. We're all like, oh, you know, you know, it's like his, his name's Landon, um, Landon Brooks. I don't know if the, the Brooks are here today, but, but Landon Brooks hits the ball like 40 feet over the fence. He's running around. It's like the legend of Landon has broken out. Right. And so like at school, all they're going to talk about is Landon. he touches home plate and they call him out. Like, whoa. And I don't coach this team. I coach every other team my children play on. But I do not coach this team. And I'm so used to being on the field. I'm so used to coaching. I'm so used to being there that that I don't even know what happened in my head. And we're like, what happened? What happened? They said he missed first base. Eight years old, missed first base. Called him out on a home run. I think my eyes glazed over. 
I don't know exactly what happened, but the next thing I hear is a voice yelling at me, you can't go out there. It was like, I came to, I came to my senses. I woke up, I looked around. I was standing in the middle of the dugout about to go out on the field. I'm like, I'm not coaching. I can't do this. And so I walked back later. I'm talking to Jackson and Jackson tells me, he's like, yeah, daddy, (laughs) he was playing left field. So he was right there by the dugout. He goes, yeah, daddy, I looked over there and I saw you coming out on the field. And he goes, but you did the right thing. He's like, you went back, you did the right thing. And I was like, oh. Thank God I did the right thing, right? <laughs> because they're watching, you know, they're watching. And, and, and I can tell you so many stories of screwing it up. And then there's those moments of victory. Like the other day when we were about to pray before one of our games, I said, would one of you, you know, the players, would you like to pray? And Dave goes, I'll do it, daddy. And he prays for the whole team. I'm like, yes, victory, you know? And he didn't say God is great. God is good. So that was, that was a good thing. He just, he said an actual prayer and, and I realized this. And the point of this is this guys, like I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm not a perfect father. I'm, I don't have it all down yet, but I know that my children are watching and dads, I, I know you know this, but they want to do what you do. My kids love baseball. They love football. They love hunting. They love fishing because I love baseball. I love football. I love hunting. I love fishing. And, and, and so they love the things I love. Um, and, and they're going to imitate the things I do. I, and, and I see that translating, not just in those things, but in my love for Christ. And so I realize I'm not a perfect father, but, but the thing that I can do is point them to a perfect father. And my heart is, and my goal is that even though I'm imperfect, I can always point them even in my weaknesses and my failures to the one who is perfect. And that the ultimate goal is they would want to imitate him. And see, here's the thing I want you to see today. You have a loving, perfect, heavenly father who will not walk out on you, who will not abuse you, who will not hurt you, who only wants the best for you, who says, will you please come to me and walk as I walk? And so we need to lift up our eyes. And this is what this first verse is speaking to. Paul says, therefore, so many times, therefore tells us to go back and look at what he said before those verses. This one is actually saying, you know, in light of those things, this is what you need to do. This therefore is pointing us ahead to what he wants us to do with what he's already said, what Billy taught us out of chapter four last week. He says, therefore be imitators of God. He's telling us, look folks, listen, this is what you need to do. If you're in Christ, there ought to be something in you that says, I want to be like my heavenly father. We sang a song that we just cry out to God. Oh, to be like you, to be like you. I want to be like you. And and, and here's the reality. There should be something in our heart that if we're in Christ that cries out, I want to imitate my heavenly father. That word for imitate is is a Greek word. It actually means to, to mimic. It's where we get our word mimic from. And so he's saying, mimic me. God is wanting us to walk as he walks, to live as he lives. And I want you to see this today, that as we, we walk away from him, that we're called to live. We're called to walk. Remember walk in the Bible. If you read walk, it's talking about a way of life. He wants us to walk. And the whole point of this, this section of scripture is that we would walk or live in such a way that our life reflects Jesus. That's the whole point of life. Whether at the ball field, whether at work, whether at church, wherever we may be, somewhere in the community, our, our goal, our purpose in life, we all have the same purpose is to reflect Christ to the world. The main takeaway of this is this, guys, listen, if you want to write something down, write this down. I'm going to pray, pray I tie this in throughout the whole thing, right? But the reality of it is, guys, that, that the thing we need to see is that for us to walk as God walks, we need to walk as we already are. 
See, and here's where our mind goes, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I'm not like God. No, but God is in you and Christ's righteousness has been given to you. So you have become righteous in Christ. What we have to do is grow into this process of what's called sanctification, where we actually walk like Christ has already made us. See, we're, we're both already and not yet. As Christians, we're, we're already in the sense that God's given us his righteousness. He's clothed us with righteousness. And now Paul's teaching us to take off those old, dirty, filthy rags of clothes that we were able to provide for ourselves and put on the righteous garments of Jesus. And to walk in those. And to begin to mimic him. To begin to imitate God. To let others see us walk. And he tells us the first way we're going to do this. There's three ways he's going to tell us. One is to walk in love. Two is to walk in light. And three is to walk in wisdom. The first one is this. He says, listen, be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. There's so much in that. But I want you to see that he first tells us, walk, be imitators of God. As what? Beloved children. As loved children. Because here's the most important thing we've got to understand. That God's love when we're in Christ has been poured out on us unconditionally. That his love is for us. And this is what I can tell you. You will never be able to walk in love until you're consistently receiving his love. It's impossible for us to produce that kind of love unless God's pouring it out in us. We need to see that as his children, his love is unconditional. His love is true. His love is right. His love is always available to us. The Bible says that we don't come um, or, or run from the throne of grace to receive grace and mercy like we so many times do when we mess up. The Bible says we come boldly before the throne of grace that we might receive mercy in our time of need. How much would our lives change when we slip and we mess up? And because we're not perfect, because we have perfection trapped inside this human flesh and, and we mess it up, if instead of running from God, we ran to God. Instead of running from him, we went boldly before his throne and we received again that grace. Because this is what I can tell you. When you realize how big of a sinner you are, when you realize how messed up you are, and listen, you, you can think you got it together. My prayer is God reveals another layer because I want you to see the powerful grace of God again. And as you go and you move and you walk and you, 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 you realize I am wretched which is not hard to do, right? I get reminded of that quite often. And then I go back into the throne room of God and he again reminds me of my grace. And you know what it does? It doesn't bring me to a point of condemnation. It brings me to a point of worship because again, I cannot believe that God loves me that way. And if we're going to walk in this love, we have to receive love. So he tells us to walk in love. He says, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, that he gave his life for us. And he says that this love, this, 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 this sacrifice that he gave, it was a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. In other words, the fragrant offering is referring to this incense that was burned, this, this, this um, worship that Jesus gave, right? He's saying his, his life was like worship. And he's telling us, you need to give your life as worship to God. You need to give your life as as something pleasing to God. Walk in this love is pleasing to God. And this love is not selfish, it is selfless. And he tells us to walk in this love. And he says, this is a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. See, the sacrifice is Jesus laying down his life, dying on a cross, taking our sin upon him, taking the punishment that we deserved as he took the wrath of God on the cross, taking the beating, taking the nails, taking the crown of thorns, taking all those things that you and I deserve. and, And... 
taking him away from us, removing our sin, being put into a grave, three days later, raising from the dead, and then ascending to the right hand of God, where right now he makes intercession for you and I. That's what God's done. And that's what he wants us to see, that this was the sacrifice to God. But then he goes on and he says, listen, in each one of these, you're going to see this exhortation. Do this. Walk in this. You're going to see this contradiction that Paul's going to throw out there. And then you're going to see the motivation. Why would we do this? He says in verse 3, he says, but. So he's saying, this is what you should do. Here comes the contradiction. But sexual immorality. Understand that sexual immorality is a word, a Greek word called pornea. It's kind of a drunk, junk drawer word for every type of sexual immorality that takes place outside of the marriage covenant, um, that a marriage covenant between a man and a woman. He's saying this is that pornea, this is this drunk drawer that all of this sexual immorality falls under. You can guess, guess what word we get from that pornography, right? And he says, and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named, must not even be named among you. As is proper among the saints. Here's something you need to realize. He says, don't even name it. Don't even talk about it. Don't, don't, don't boast in it for sure. Because here's the reality. What we allow to be planted into our mind will ultimately grow into our heart. And it's going to produce fruit in our life. That was better than y'all reacted. Because whatever you allow to be planted in your mind. Whatever seed is planted there that we don't pluck out and throw away, it's ultimately going to grow into our heart. And whatever we allow into our heart, we're going to speak out of our mouth. And whatever we're speaking out of our mouth is an indication of what's in our heart. And whatever is in our heart is ultimately going to direct our steps. Don't even allow it to be planted. Don't let the seed just stick there. And he says on in there, Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving, gratitude for the grace of God. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. He says, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. And he says, listen, the people who are doing these things. And listen, don't, don't, don't hear this, that if you mess up and you sin and you, you, make a, you, you make a mistake, that you're going to hell. That's not what he's saying. What's he talking about? A way of walking. He's talking about a way of life. He's saying if this is your way of life, then most likely you just don't know Christ. Because the Bible in 1 John 3, 9 tells us we cannot continue in sin. doesn't mean we can't sin. It just means we don't enjoy it anymore because the Holy Spirit convicts us, right? And so he's saying, listen, guys, don't continue to walk this way. Walk a different way. He said, this is contradictory to what God calls you. In fact, it's so contradictory because it's not the selfless love of Jesus. It's the selfish love of our flesh and of mankind. And so he's calling us to this. And then this is... This is This is such a not talked about thing in church today. He says, let no one deceive you with empty words. In other words, don't believe these false prophets who are coming and telling you these things. This is different from what I'm telling you. He says, because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. And so here's something that's not popular in church, that there will be a judgment. There will be, but this is the motivation. He said, listen, don't walk this way. Walk in love. Receive Christ's love. Don't walk this way because there is a judgment coming. And see, it's not politically correct for us to say that, right? It's not politically correct to say that one day everyone will stand before the throne of Christ. But it's the truth. It's what the Bible teaches. And we've been so skewed by hell and brimstone preachers, right? Don't repent. You're going to hell, right? With a bullhorn. 
Which is true, but listen, we also have to realize the grace. And if you're in Christ, judgment should not bring fear into our lives. Judgment should bring worship because we realize we've been saved by the grace of God. That there is no judgment for us because Christ took our judgment. But he says this ought to motivate you to live this way. He goes on in verse 7. He says, therefore, do not become partners with them. He's not telling us don't associate with sinners. If we did that, how are we going to um, reach them, right? He's not telling us to associate, not associate with people who are walking in sin. He's telling us, listen, don't be partners in what they're doing. And I will tell you, I always get this question a lot from teenagers, especially. And they'll ask me, they'll say, well, well how, if I'm supposed to go in and be you know, friends with people who aren't living like me, um, but then you know, I'm not supposed to be you know, friends with people who aren't living like me, then how do I be friends with people who aren't living like me and live out this walk? I mean, it's confusing, right? Like we say, go and reach the laws. I'm like, but I can't associate with them. That's not what Paul's saying. We're called to love them. But here's the line that I would draw in the sand and tell you, whichever side you're on tells you what to do. If at some point that relationship is influencing you rather than you influencing them, the relationship needs to stop. We should be the influencer. If that is a point where we begin to be pulled to their side, to begin to be pulled to a different way of walking, that relationship really needs to quit. It needs to stop. We need to be built up in the Lord, strong in the Lord. There were places that when I first got saved, I could not go because I knew that I would, I, I would sin. I knew that I could not be strong enough. When I first got saved, I had what would be called a little drinking problem. And, and what would happen is I would go and I'd say, I'm just going to drink one beer. One beer turned into 12, right? Every time. And Susan would be like, how many do you had? Two. That was my just common answer. Two equals 12. And, and, and I realized when I first got saved, my first church trying to live for God, I just couldn't go around alcohol because I knew what would happen. I would smell it. I'd have to have it. And it wasn't going to be pretty. And so I knew I had to separate myself from that. I couldn't be in that place where I was being influenced because I wasn't strong enough to be an influencer. We've got to be wise. We've got to be smart in how we walk. We've got to influence people, but we also need to realize that that relationship should not, should not take us away from Christ. Verse 8 says this, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And he says this, walk as children of the light. So the second way we need to walk, the first one is we walk in love. The second one is we walk in light. And he exhorts us, you're children of the light. So what's he telling us? Remember, the main takeaway of this, walk as you already are. You are already loved. You've already brought, been brought into the kingdom of light through Christ. So this is who you are. So walk in the light. How many of you would ever just choose, like if you're just walking around, would choose to walk in darkness? Nobody. Because what happens? You get hurt. I experienced this firsthand back here about three weeks ago. And, and you saw Lauren who did the, the announcements today. Well, I'm, I'm walking through this back door and I don't know, like, I guess we can't get a lamp, but the, the, there's no light back here. And so I walk into the door and, and I start walking through and all of a sudden I just hit my leg. I'm talking about shin bones hurt, man. And right about there, tank, I can hit the bench. And I was like, oh, and see, so y'all think every time something happens, I'm like, praise Jesus. And it don't happen like that. Right. I was like, oh, 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 dang, that hurt. And then I hear somebody moving. And I look over and Lauren's over there going. <laughs> I was like, if you were hired, we'd fire you right now. But you're an intern. So you're doing this for free. So I can't really fire you. But like right there, man, 
hurt, walking in darkness. You've experienced this. If you've got kids, the kids, the baby starts crying. You get up, step on a Lego. You almost lose your religion, right? And it's because it's dark. You can't see. And Paul's saying, listen, church, listen, you've been bought with the blood of Jesus. You've been brought into the kingdom of God. You don't have to walk in darkness anymore. You can live a different life. He's broken that hold of sin off of you. You don't have to walk that way. And he's encouraging us to walk in the light. Verse nine, he says, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. He says, and try to discern what is pleasing to the will. It's like we want to imitate a loving God, a loving father. We also want to please him by walking in his will, by understanding his will. He says, so take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. So the exhortation here, walk in the light. The contradiction is walking in darkness, but the motivation is you can produce a different kind of fruit. Your life can do something different. God can do something in and through you that produces a different fruit in your life, but not if we're choosing to walk in darkness. And this is what I know. I know this because I'm human like you. I know this because I live in a real world like you. I know this because I hear you speak that there are areas of our life today that are still in darkness. There are areas of our life today that we're hiding from God that we really don't want him to see because the reality of it is if the light shone on it, we would be ashamed. Every one of us. But he says this, for it is shameful even to speak. There's that word again. Don't let it plant in your mind because it'll grow into your heart. And it's going to produce fruit in your life. Don't even speak of those things. For it is shameful even to speak of them. And he says, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. So we bring something from the dark to the light. It just, it's visible. Light and darkness can't coexist. For anything that becomes visible is light. So he's saying, one of, he's saying two different things. One is this, that if you bring it into the light, it's exposed. That evil is exposed. The light of Christ can shine on it. It can be healed. It can be made right. Jesus can heal that, but not as long as it's in the darkness. And he's also saying those things that we bring in and even the people we encounter who are in darkness, some of those people can be converted because they see that light. And so not only is that thing that's in darkness transformed, but it also has a transforming power in the people that we encounter. In the situations and environments that it begins to change. And see, we should live this transparent life that people see. Because I'm not perfect. I don't ever want to pretend to be perfect. I want to be growing towards perfection, towards Christ's righteousness, towards his likeness. But listen, the reality of it is, I'm not there. I'm still pressing towards the goal. But I don't ever want to act like I've got it together. I don't want you to ever think that somehow I'm up here on this holy, come spend a day with me. Right? And see that we're all need to be brought into the light. There's things that we need to have in the light. And the motivation for that is producing a different kind of fruit, a different way of walking, a different life. Walking as we already are, children of light, not of darkness, if we're in Christ. Verse 14, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, and this may be my favorite verse in this whole text, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. I see two things in this. One is, if you're not in Christ, you're dead in sin. The Bible just says it. It's almost as Paul is pleading with those who are dead in sin. Arise, wake, come to life. Let the light of Christ shine on you. Come out of darkness into light. Don't walk and stumble and fall and cause yourself pain because you're still walking in darkness. Come into the light. But I see another thing in here too, that, that those people who have been brought from death to life, who've walked into life, who've experienced Christ, and yet they're still living as though they're dead. And I would exhort you, I would encourage you, I would plead with you, come into the light, 
Let Christ's light shine on you. Awake, O sleeper. If there's anything we need in the church today, it is for the church to wake up and realize that Christ wants to shine his light on our life, in our heart, and in every situation that we encounter. God wants to shine his light in our hearts. He goes on. He says, look carefully then how you walk. There's a third walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Don't walk as the unwise, but walk as the wise. So number three, walk in wisdom, walk in love, walk in light, walk in wisdom. And he tells us, walk in wisdom because you have the wisdom of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. Your mind is being renewed in Jesus, right? If we're pressing in and and reading his word and we're we're spending time with him, our minds are going to be transformed because just as the negative of what's planted in our heart um, or in our mind grows into our heart and and that actually produces fruit in our life, so is the positive truth. That if we're planting his word, we're experiencing God and he's planting his thoughts in our mind, that too grows into our heart and it begins to crawl. It begins to grow into those dark corners, those areas that need to be revived, those things that need to be dealt with. those wounds that need to be healed. And we begin to see again that Christ is still doing a great work in us so that what's planted in our mind grows into our heart and then it bears fruit in our life. But it's a different kind of fruit. And he's saying, listen, walk in the wisdom that Jesus has given you. He says, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. The days are evil. And so here's this motivation. Realize that the days are, are evil. And I would even add to that. I know, you, know, you can't add to scripture. You go to hell for that, right? I'm not trying to add to scripture. What I'm telling you is to, to help add to that thought, right? Is that not only are the days evil, but time is short. Hell is hot and eternity is long, right? And we need to be a people with an urgency that we don't waste the time. He tells us that walking in wisdom is making the best use of our time for the kingdom. Remember our purpose, right? Is wherever we are that we're walking in love. Wherever we are, we're walking in light. Wherever we are, we're walking in wisdom, making the best use of the time. Because these days are evil. And evil is swallowing up people's lives. If there's anything that breaks my heart, it's watching people day after day be swallowed up by evil. Being swallowed up in the ways of the world. And this is what I don't understand because, see, here's wisdom. You can't walk the same way you've always walked and end up in a different destination. That's just wisdom, right? Didn't know I was such a soothsayer, right? Just a wordsmith. You didn't know that, but it's true. You can't walk the same direction you've been walking all your life and end up in the same destination. But I see so many people and I'm like, Hey man, why don't you do this? This would probably be good. Why don't you just take one step today? You don't have to take 10, take one step to love your wife. Take one step to love your kids. Take one step to to change this. Take one step to follow Jesus. Take one step, start journaling. Take one step, start reading your Bible. Take one step, pursue the Lord. Take one step, ask him, you know, receive the invitation that he would come into your heart. Take one step. And you know what? They do okay and then they go and walk the same way they've always walked and then they come back a week later and they're like you know things just aren't changing in my life how's the journaling go? it ain't i got one friend i love him to death and i don't know if he's here i'm not gonna look because i know where he sits i got one friend i love him to death i love him i love him i love him i can't tell you how much i love him because he's such an awesome dude and he'll come up to me and he'll be like you know brandon he's like things just aren't going well well, you done anything I told you? No. I'm like, well, I appreciate your honesty. And then I'll say, well, 
you know, how long have you been living your way? About, about 30 years, you know, 30 something years. How's that working out for you? I can't really say what he says, but basically the gist is not too good. Then why don't you walk a different way? And I want him to so bad. I want to just take his head and be like, you know, and this breaks my heart to see us, to see myself, to see people, even those who know Christ, who continue to walk, not in wisdom, not in love, not in light, but in our own way. But Christ says that the motivation is we can do this a different way. We can walk in wisdom. We, we can make the best use of our time. And he says, therefore, do not be foolish. That's a contradiction. We don't want to be foolish people. We want to walk in the wisdom that God's giving us in Christ. But understand that the will of what the will of the Lord is. And then listen, listen. And if you take those three things, you take this love, you take this light and you take this wisdom. And he says, this is what needs to happen. That, that we roll all that up. That the power of the Holy Spirit takes those things and he begins to swirl in our heart. And this is how we end up doing this, right? Listen to first, uh, uh, verses um, 18 through 21. He says, and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So listen to this. Do not get drunk with wine. He's not going on a rant about drinking a glass of wine. That's not what what Paul is doing here, right? He's trying to make us see what, what the goal actually is. Because what happens when you get drunk with wine? or liquor, or beer, I know this from experience, you become under the control, under the influence, and that what we say, of alcohol. And so he's making this this comparison. He's saying, don't get drunk with with alcohol. Don't get drunk with wine. Don't be be possessed by by these evil ways, by these different things. Don't, Don't be obsessed with them. Don't let them drive your life. He says, rather than that, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because that, my friend, that is the key to walking in love. That is the key to walking in light. And that is the key to walking in wisdom. Is God living in us? I can tell you this. Most mornings, I don't, not part of it. Most mornings before my feet hit the floor, my cry is, God, I need your power today. God, I need you. I can tell you every Sunday morning before my feet hit the floor on my prayer, God, please use me today. I'm not much in and of myself, but the power of the Holy Spirit in me can do greater things than I could imagine. I need you today. That should be our cry every day. Lord, fill me. How does he feel as we submit to him? We say, God, I need you. We, we let it go. It's not a goosebump. It's not, you know, jumping around like your hair's on fire. The feeling of the Holy Spirit is God's presence in your life. And even when we don't feel it, we walk confidently knowing there's a child of God. He's guiding me. He's got me. He's leading me. And so he says, be filled. It's interesting that it sounds like he's saying be filled one time. And we are filled with the Holy Spirit when we're saved, when Christ comes into our hearts, when we begin to receive him in his life. And we are filled with the Holy Spirit. But this way this is written tells us this. It says, be being filled. If you actually look at the Greek. This is what he's telling us. It's not a one-time event. You need to be refilled. We're like a jar. We're we're this, this clay jar, right? It's got a crack in it. 
And really, even if it's not leaking out, we should be pouring out the Spirit of God on the people around us through love and light and wisdom. And so he's saying you need to be being filled. It's a constant renewing. It's a constant filling that God, as we're constantly submitting to him, is pouring into our lives. We need to be being filled, to walk in love, to walk in light, to walk in wisdom. He goes on in verse 19, it says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. And I've studied this verse a lot because we used to, when I would read it, I'd be like, does that mean like I walk up and I'm like singing like, how are you today? I mean, I didn't know like what that really looked like, but what he's trying to get us to see is that we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And then we're, we're, we're part of a great fellowship of people who are praising God. I don't know if you've noticed that, but on Sunday mornings when, when we're singing and, and the, the, the instruments kind of come down and we're singing like this morning, we were singing scandal of grace and, and sitting up front. Um, you should try it sometimes. It's awesome. Um, I could hear you singing, right? I could hear you singing. And I believe this is part of what Paul's talking about in this verse, that your worship encourages me to worship. That I see you worshiping in the community with your love and your light and your wisdom that you're walking in. It encourages me as a pastor. It should encourage you as a fellow Christ follower, as a brother or sister in Christ. Yes, let's worship him. It's almost like the worship is reverberating off the walls and off of the community to the point where we just get so excited, right? Because of what God's doing. He says, so worship, to be in this fellowship. The the first thing in that verse 18, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be in the fellowship. Verse 20, giving thanks always and for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So verse 20, he's telling us, be grateful. Live in gratefulness. Let's not live as entitled people. Jesus didn't have to give us his grace. We don't have to be in a fellowship with God. But he says, be grateful for what God has done. And when you trip and when you stumble and when you make a mistake and it seems like things are coming apart, you go back and you say, God, thank you for your grace. Fill me with your spirit that I can walk in love, walk in light and walk in wisdom. Thank you that there's no condemnation for me who is is in you because you took the condemnation upon yourself. And see, if we could get that through our heads, we wouldn't sit with our hands folded because we realize what God has done for us. But we just seem to just let it wash over our heads instead of washing through our hearts that the grace of God is so great that he's brought us to this place of being right with him and and being living out this life that they could be so grateful for what he's done verse 21 the last one he says submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ so out of our submission to Christ we submit to one another for, out of reverence for Christ. See, there's nothing necessarily to be revered about me or about you. But when we see Christ and we see that he humbly submitted himself because the Holy Spirit is a humble spirit, that he submitted himself to others, we submit ourselves to others and in an act of service, in an act of love, in an act of showing the light of Christ, in an act of walking in wisdom. We submit our lives to one another. And this is how we walk humbly with our God, walking humbly with him. Realizing this life is not about me. It's about him and his light being shown. Remember, the main takeaway from this section of scripture is that we, in the way that we walk, in the way that we live, we reflect the light, the love, the wisdom of Christ in the world. That's what he's called us to. 
That is what he's called us to. And he would not call us to something that we cannot do. Now we cannot do it apart from him, but in him we can. And this is what I want to ask you. This is what I know today. I don't even have to ask. This is what I know. For some of us, we're not walking in love. There's there's bitterness. There's anger. Our hearts are hard. And today, like we, we, we need to allow God to pour his love into our hearts. The transforming love and grace and power of God poured into our hearts. Another one is some of us aren't walking in light. Every one of us in here has something right now that if we put it up on that screen, you'd be like, oh my gosh. We need to let the light of Christ shine on that. And for a lot of us, man, we're just not walking in wisdom. There's a new way to walk. There's a way that's so much better. There's a way that leads us to life, not death. God wants to give us his mind. He wants to give us his heart. And we can walk in this wisdom. There's areas of our lives that we're not walking in wisdom. We're just not doing the wise thing in following Christ. So this is what I want to do today. I want to give you that opportunity right now to humble yourself and say, Lord, I need your spirit. I need your spirit in my life. And for some of you today, what you need the spirit to do is to invade your heart for the first time because you don't know Christ. You don't have a relationship with him, but he's knocking on the door of your heart and he's saying, I want to, I want you to have my love. I want you to experience my love and I want you to walk in line. I want you to walk in wisdom. And you know that. And today is the day that you would need to say yes to the invitation of Jesus. For others, and you need to arise, oh sleeper, wake up. Wake up to the reality of God and who he is. This is what I sense right now. I don't know. I may be wrong, but I sense in a lot of ways that my words are bouncing off of brick walls. I'm not saying it's everybody, but I, I think it's it's, 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 it's it's real. And I would say, today, would you let the light of Christ shine on you? Would you let his love fill you? Would you humble yourself before the Lord today? And take a step of faith and say, yes, I need God's spirit to fill me. Because that's what your opportunity is right now. I'm going to pray. And while I'm praying, I want you to move. I want you to get out of your seat. If you don't know Christ in the day, you say, I need to receive him. And when you move, I'm going to ask you to go over here and meet someone from our prayer team at these doors to my left. You just get up and move. And you go to those doors. For the others of you, I would say, you need to get up and come right here to the front. We need to get on our face and humble ourselves before the Lord. Listen, we come in jeans and we come in in, in, in collared shirts or we come in t-shirts. But here's the reality. Our hearts better be reverent before God. He was worthy of our reverence and our worship and our praise. So when I pray, I'm asking you to move. You get out of your seats and come here. You need to know Christ. You don't know him. You go there. I'm asking you to move. Will you let the light of Christ shine on you? Will you humble yourself and allow the spirit of God to fill you today? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for loving us, for your grace and your mercy, the power of who you are. Jesus, I pray you would move in our hearts. Lord, I I can't preach people to you, God. I can't lead them 
to you. Only your spirit can do that. And I'm asking you, Lord, that right now you would humble us by the power of your spirit, that you would move in us. Break the hardest heart right now, God, the heart that has been wounded the most, the heart that is asking the question, if there is a good God, how could that have happened in my life? Let them feel your love, not despite that situation, not because that situation isn't real, but God, because your love is real. Not despite the situation, but in spite of it, let them feel your love. Let them move in you, Lord. Let the, and you move in them. And let us take our steps. Let us walk with you. Let us humble ourselves before you. Let us hear you, God, speaking clearly. And God, maybe it's not with words, but it's with a tug of our heart. Maybe it's, it's, it's you just warming our hearts by the power of your spirit. Lord, I pray that you would move. Break the hearts of stone. Turn our hearts back to you, God. Turn our lives back to you. Teach us a new way to walk in you, in your love, in your light, in your wisdom. Help us to hear you, God, and know you and follow you. Because we're here in this moment, I pray for the one who knows, knows, knows they need to go to those doors and come into an invitation, a relationship with you. God, I pray that they would move. God, I pray for the one who's still in their seat that needs to be down here on their face before you, humbly submitting themselves to you. God, I thank you that it's not the, 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 the bad people that need you. It's all people that need you, God. In, spite of, in light of your holiness, we're all evil. And yet we're clothed through Christ with your righteousness. Oh, just move. Just move, Lord. And we don't need more of Billy. We don't need more of Brandon. We don't need more of Matt. We don't need more of Sean. We don't need more of John. We don't need more of anybody. We need more of you, God. To move in our lives and transform our hearts. Lord, I pray you would just continue to speak to us. God, over each person here right now, I pray, Lord, that you would just speak encouraging words to them. God, that you would, you would uh, remove condemnation as they submit it to you, God. And that they would, when they get up and they turn from the stage, God, I pray there would be like a turning in their hearts, a turning in their lives, that they begin to walk a different direction. God, fixing their eyes on you. Let us, let us realize, God, that it's not the walk that's the goal, God, it's the relationship with you. God, let them walk with you. Hold them, God. Hold them tightly. For the person here right now whose heart is breaking, I pray you would hold them tightly. Jesus. The person in fear, God. I pray that they would realize they're loved by a loving Father. A Father who loves them more than they could possibly imagine. Who is sovereign over all things. In control. God, I thank you that even though things come along that we sometimes don't feel we can handle, God, you're able to handle them. They may be overwhelming to us, God. There may be times when life brings us more than we can handle, but God, let us lean upon you and your strength. I thank you, God, that your word says that when I am weak, then I'm strong. Because your supernatural power moves in my life and in my heart. Jesus, just um, fill us. Send your spirit, shake the walls of this community, this church, these people, God, by the power of your spirit.